you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Here we are now one week post-draft officially on this uh, Thursday, and we're almost done with Path of the Draft. This is the Move the Sticks podcast. Rhett Lewis in for DJ with my man Bucky Brooks. Ready to rock and roll here today. Still looking back at the draft, though. Um, Bucky, I'm kind of excited. Uh, I, I know I probably made a little extra work for you. Oh, um, no. Like, going, I mean, going, you know, we did our favorite players by round going yeah. into the draft. Now that we've got the actual results, let's go favorite picks by round. We'll do that. Um, and then uh, kind of take a look at, uh, at best offensive and defensive drafts, too. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. I, I think the big thing, obviously, doing path to the draft with you, the run-up to the draft, so many conversations that we have about all these different players. Yeah. And then you go back and you go through draft day and draft weekend, and you realize how many players you didn't talk about. Right. Like how many players and we'll get a shot to do that, 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 today. that you didn't have a chance to talk about just because of the show dynamics or whatever. You just don't get all of the names in. And then and there's some look, big names down there, too. You know what I mean? Some big some time big college football players. Yeah, we didn't. So we've been trying to touch on some yeah. of those guys that uh, should have got a little shine uh, running up to the draft. But now they've been uh, picked and landed with teams. We can talk about them for sure. Uh Speaking of shine, I guess, uh, I want to start this episode, though, by talking about the shine wearing off of Josh Rosen in Arizona and maybe left with a little shiner based on the way they treated <laughs> him leaving. Uh, and now he is off in Miami. And I, I want to start this because you had an interesting take on this on the uh, Colin Coward show um, this week. So get and where you said the Dolphins might have found their version of Brett Favre to the Packers. Give me the rationale here. OK, so here's the rationale. Um in early 90s, uh, 92, right before I got I got to the Packers in 95, mm-hmm. um, the Green Bay Packers 
uh, were able to pull off a deal with the Atlanta Falcons for Brett Favre. Brett Favre had been a second-round pick for the Falcons. Uh, for whatever reason, his first year in Atlanta didn't go according to plan. Uh, he was available. Ron Wolf had always had his eye on Brett Favre, thought he was one of the top players. Uh, kind of kicked himself for not being able to make the move to get him. And so he traded for him. He brings him in, and he put him behind the Magic Man. Don Majkowski was a starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Brett Favre was to come in and kind of learn. And whenever he got his opportunity, maybe he would be the starting quarterback. And so when I look at how Brett Favre kind of worked his way, kind of had to kind of pick himself up by the bootstraps, finally was able to display the talent that a lot of people had seen in him under Coach Holmgren, you saw a guy emerge and evolve into a three-time MVP quarterback, a guy that was a Super Bowl winner, one of the best quarterbacks in football. And Josh Rosen, I think it goes without question that he is one of the more talented throwers that we've seen. Yeah. Um, in the draft class last year, I think you could say he might have been the purest passer uh, when it comes to being able to throw from the pocket and use all areas of the field and those things. The issue that has always surrounded Josh, uh, two issues. Uh, one, durability, because he was banged up and beat up most of his time at UCLA. And then the second was kind of centered around his personality. Um, is he aloof? How does he fit in and blend in with the locker room? What would his interactions be with coaches? And so because of that, like, there's kind of been this weird thing that has surrounded him when it comes to the evaluation. Like, people aren't as high on Rosen as most people would when you right. just kind of looked at the tape. And so I believe he gets an opportunity to do a career reset in going to Miami. I believe he jumps into a system that kind of plays to the strength of who he is as a person and as a player, meaning it's a high IQ system. Uh, it's one that, you know, he has playmakers around him. He can get the ball out. He can do things. The offensive line is improved from what he played behind and was, last uh, It's year. not great, but it's, it's it, it, improved. It's, yeah. I heard the stat. Like, I heard the stat on TV. Last year, he was sacked 17 times on passes that were 2.5 seconds or less. In terms of release time, that's insane. <laughs> in, in, in insane, that's unprobable. Like free rush. <laughs> like, like free rush. A free rush. Right like, like people not getting there. So he goes there. And I think um, the coaching staff that will have the opportunity to work with him will fit how he is. Jim Caldwell being the quarterback coach, Chad O'Shea being the offensive coordinator coming from that system in New England. A very cerebral system very where cerebral it puts a lot on the system. intelligence and the processing of the quarterback. Absolutely. Right? Brian Flores also coming from New England and understanding that. I just believe this will be a nice fit for him, and he'll have an opportunity to show people. And if it hits like we think it may hit, if he plays well, the, Green, uh, the Miami Dolphins will have found – a version of a starting quarterback for the next three years that they have on the cheap Man. while they're able to build up the rest of their roster, much like Green Bay was able to do in the mid-90s where they got Brett Favre, and then after that, they were able to put the pieces in place around him. Yeah. I think in Miami, they may have an opportunity to do the same. Um, by the way, just to finish up, uh, as you introduced the magic man to us there, Don, uh, Don McCalfie, <laughs> um, he threw for 4,300 yards in 1989. <laughs> 
like that's that was virtually unheard of back then. He also threw twenty interceptions. But that's just, just a minor, just a minor thing. Twenty-seven touchdowns, twenty interceptions, forty-three hundred yards. That's a lot. He never threw for more than two thousand in his career after that one. <laughs> the Magic Crazy. Man, Magic Man. I love the that. Magic I Man. Play with still, him in Tech Mobile. Oh, they still um, talk. They still talk about him. No, they, they talk about him up there in Green oh Bay. Oh my god! I think he might come back for alumni weekend when I was there last. He year. was a Pro Bowler in '89. Uh, okay, I think that's a. He went to a Pro Bowl. Yeah, in '89, he threw for forty-three hundred yards. He led the league in passing. I didn't know he threw. Yeah. Yeah, 89. Um, they went 10 and 6 that year. Okay. I think that's a great take on on Rosen. And in a roundabout way, I'm going to get to Rosen again here um, because something riled me up on Twitter during Ooh. the draft on Friday. And Ooh. I don't get riled up easy. In fact, I'm probably, I was telling Kent this uh, before you walked in, I'm probably the last person to engage in argument on Twitter. Oh, you get in a Twitter argument? I, not, not really. <laughs> um, a little bit. I just, I got angered. And um, my man, Darren Ravel, um, you know, Darren, oh, yeah. Uh, he's got, uh, yeah, I, you know, sports biz. His sports action network, something like that. And so he puts out some good content, some content that I enjoy, and I, and I, I usually appreciate it. Um, this rubbed me the wrong way. He tweeted on night two can't remember a draft in recent history that was this boring Ooh. little intrigue not that many college stars to wait for and i was like man you're trying to ruin christmas for me right no. now don't do that and so i had to uh, quote tweet and i had to just you know politely say could not disagree more he then fired back and was like really share what's been exciting tonight and i was like okay do i i'm not going to do it. i'm not i'm not gonna, i'm going to do it i'm going to do it and so i was like okay I'm just going to do this one thing, and I'm going to let it be. I'm not going to get in a prolonged battle here. So I said, okay, Darren, there is a trade scenario working itself out in real time, up and down the draft board as we're going through round two here, that involves a player taking number 10 overall just last year. This never happens. It is unprecedented. I mean, we're talking about... The Dolphins, who emerged as the major suitor mm-hmm. for Rosen, had the 48th overall pick. It's the 47th pick, and there's no trade yet. And then there's a trade, but it's the Dolphins moving down to 62. So you're like, okay, they're buying themselves a little more time to try to figure this thing out with Steve Kime. And and then eventually we get to 62, and we learn that that is the traded right. pick, right? And I'm like, that, that was exciting. That was really exciting. We were talking about a potential franchise quarterback traded, but we weren't sure. There were actual deadlines in place here. Like, because what if the Dolphins made the pick at 48? Then are they interested? Are the Cardinals interested right. in trading for a third-round pick? Is it over? Is Rosen going to stay now with Kyler Murray, which is in, intriguing in and of itself? Um, and so I left that there. I was like, that's one piece of intrigue. I'm not even going to mention the fact that DK Metcalf, the darling of the pre-draft run-up, fell out of the first <laughs> round, almost fell out of the second round. <laughs> Your top tackle was available in the second round. Um, Who was going to be the next running back off the board? And you know, is Drew? Where's Drew Locke going to go? Who's going to be that fifth quarterback? I'm like, guy, there is intrigue all over the place here in round two, and it just bothered me a little bit. But the Rosen thing was was the biggest for me. You were you were a little fired up, like Dan Ravel. He fired me up because I I think. And I, I think what is annoying for those of us that are like... 600,000 people came to Nashville to watch right. the draft. 48 the, million watched it. For those of us that are intimately involved in the draft, yeah. not only that, it outrates NBA playoff games. <laughs> like the on. NBA is in the midst of their, their playoff tournament and people are more intrigued to see names come off the draft board and to watch B-roll and highlights. Yeah. Like that's basically yeah. what it is. And so for us, I think it's... 
it's a little difficult when the casual fly-by-night fans kind of come in and come out and say, oh, there's no star power, when in essence what you're doing, you're watching a bunch of kids realize dreams. Yes. It's the culmination of a lot of hard work for a lot of people, their families and all that. And so what should be a coronation, what should be a celebration, a lot of criticism going on. And that is why, and I'll say this going in, um, I felt bad about what happened after Daniel Jones was selected six overall by the New York Giants. Because regardless of how we felt or how people believed the Giants should have proceeded or whatever, that was that guy's night. That was his special moment. The fact that he's had to hear boos and catcalls and all that other stuff from people around before he even steps onto the field, before he even puts on a jersey or anything, to me, that's not unfair. And I know we live in a time with Twitter and Instagram and people just critique and say anything and everything. But what I hope is, I hope that he has an opportunity to kind of shove it in people because, look, I think he's a better player than people give him credit for. And regardless of whether we think he's the sixth best player, I understood the rationale behind the move. And we'll see how it plays out because ultimately everyone is going to be judged on how they play and perform on the field. I just wish that people would have taken a little time to let him enjoy his moment. You know what? But that's why they drafted him. Yeah. Because in his own way, he's just going to brush that shoulder off. Yeah. I mean, like, I get it. Yeah. You want everyone to give you a standing O, you know, when you're the pick, you're the guy, you're the quarterback, the future quarterback of the New York Giants. But you know what? I think he's totally okay with all. Yeah. He kind of understands it. And I think, look, David Gettleman has come out and tried to defend the pick. And I don't think you really have to defend the pick. Like, ultimately, he'll defend it by the way that he plays in the team that you build around him. However, he did talk about the position of playing quarterback for the New York Giants is different than others. You have to have the right stuff, uh, the right makeup. You can't be caught up in some of the other stuff. And I do know from our interactions with him and his family, it appears that Daniel has the right stuff mentally to be able to endure and handle it. And we're just going to see how it plays out when they finally put the team around him and give him the ball. And in that light, talking about Daniel Jones's moment, and this is the last thing I'll get to before we get to our favorite picks by round here. Um, How about a little credit to our producer, Ryan Yunt, yesterday on Path to the Draft because uh, he was watching round two of the draft, the intrigue that surrounded it. And one of the most emotional moments was when Reggie Cobb's son, Demarcus, got to announce Mm -hmm. the 49ers second round pick after Reggie had passed just that week uh, rather suddenly. And, you know, and, and rightly so, that moment was about was about Reggie and, and a little tribute to him from from Charles Davis. But also, in a in that way, Debo Samuel didn't get his moment mm-hmm. on the draft broadcast. Right. And he deserved it. And right. He was a high second round pick of the 49ers, a good pick, a pick we all really liked. And so Ryan had the good idea to kind of re uh, reenact that that moment for him on path of the draft yesterday. So if you, if you haven't seen that, go check it out. I'm sure it's on NFL.com uh, right now, but I thought that was really cool. Also, you know, also yeah. on a side note, what do yeah. you guys think about having like Pat McAfee show up and kind of give us a WWE promo or Reggie Wayne calling out the Tennessee Titans. I, mean, fans. I, 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 I like Reggie it. got, I had to get up there three times though. I mean, it got I a little, <laughs> I also, I also didn't realize they've only beaten the Colts three of the last 20 times until he said that. I didn't know that was that bad. Yeah, I knew it was dom- something a, bad. A domination. But, yeah. It's, <laughs> a domination. Reggie, yeah. Reggie definitely sparked it up. I enjoy yeah. that though. I think it kind of just adds a new addition to the draft. I do like guys that. go up. I do like that. I'm, I'm glad we didn't get, 10 different fly Eagles fly chance. Like we did that second year in Philadelphia. It was that got a little bit old, but yeah, that stuff is really cool. Um, I agree with you there, Kent. Let's uh, let's jump into it here. Let's go favorite picks by round. 
Um, you want to lead us off with your favorite first-round pick here, Bucky? All right, favorite first-round pick for me, the Pittsburgh Steelers selecting Devin Bush. Um, not only because they aggressively made a move up the board, which is not their style, but they got a player that fit what they need uh, in terms of style of play and difference maker. This Pittsburgh Steelers defense has not been the same since Ryan Shazier's unfortunate injury. Yeah. They needed a guy that was an energetic playmaker in the middle of the defense. They needed someone who had the athleticism to make plays um, against the run, but also cover and could add a little different element as a blitzer. Devin Bush is all of that. And when I watch him play, he reminds me of a Steeler, meaning he's tough, he's hard-nosed, he's blue-collar. He brings all of that toughness that you have to have to play for them. So to me, I thought it was a great fit. And I also think it was another step in the right direction for Mike Tomlin trying to reestablish the culture in that locker room. I agree with you. I think that's awesome. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you've identified your guy, go get him. Go get him because he wasn't going to be there. No, nah, don't wait. Don't yeah. wait. Uh, okay. My favorite first-round pick, and this may come as a bit of a surprise, uh, was Titus Howard to the Houston Texans uh, with the 23rd pick. And so this, the rationale behind this one is I think there's a perception that when the Eagles traded up and got in front of the Texans to take Andre Dillard, who kind of fell a little bit, we thought he might go in the first fit for 16, um, that there was panic in the Texans draft room. That they were like, oh, Dillard's gone. What are we going to do? Oh my gosh. uh, Titus Howard. Yeah. And if you go to the Texans Instagram right now and you go back a couple of days and you look at Brian Gain in control of that war room at the time that selection was going to be made, it was impressive. He is standing up and they have a, they had a pretty big war room. They had a, a, a lot of people in there. I know yeah. there's some, some teams that have a smaller room and he stood up there and gave the pitch for Titus Howard to the organization. He was like, we are building this franchise around Deshaun Watson. We are building blocks around him to protect him. That is what this is all about. Titus Howard passed the test at every turn from the combine to the senior bowl, to the 30 visit, to the workout. He is going to be a building block for us to accentuate Deshaun Watson's talent. And he said it so calmly and so matter-of-factly wow. and then handed the phone over to Bill O'Brien, who then said, we're building bodyguards for Deshaun Watson. You are one of the bodyguards. Like it. And I was like, you know what? This is a team that was not, you know, this was not their second choice. You know, and then Cal McNair, the owner, got up and was like, look, we were hoping, you know, you were going to slide to us and you can say whatever you want about whether, you know, that was – actually the case but uh i thought it was really cool the rationale for the pick the idea behind the pick and and you can you know evaluate whether you thought you know they missed out on dillard and had to settle see and i I think i think that's the thing and and here's the tricky part about draft analysis yeah like draft analysis at some point it has to go away from what you personally think about a player to hey how did the team manipulate the draft board or what do they envision this player doing? And so, so much of the immediate knee-jerk reaction was, oh, they missed out on Andre Dillard. Yeah. But we don't even know if they valued Andre Dillard. Correct. Like, that. like that's Correct. Like that, that is the thing that we don't know. On our side, we speculate how these guys may be ranked on the board. But unless you're in the room, you really don't know how teams value or covet those guys until after the draft. Maybe you get yeah. a little insight, those post-draft phone calls. Sure. So... If they believe that Titus Howard was a first-round pick, if they believe he's the right guy for them, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but as you talked about yeah. him making the pitch, 
That is how it typically goes down. You make the pitch. You stand on the table for your guy. You let everyone know, here's why he fits us. Yeah. Here's how he's going to help us. Here's the plan that we envision for him exactly. uh, years two, three, and four, and how the team will collectively grow with him. And so, look, He wasn't I, defending the pick. He was saying, this is how we're building this team. Right, and, and yeah. look, it may, we have talked about the quarterback and – how you have to like build your team around the yeah. quarterback and make sure that the quarterback has the things that he needs to flourish. And Deshaun Watson can't take the beating that he took last year with all the leakage in the right. pocket. They have to shore that up and make sure that he is able to kind of throw from a grassy knoll. And so to go and get Titus out and then to go back in the second round and get Max Sharpening and those yeah. guys like you have to double down and make sure that, that cool. he is protected. He gets what he needs and they got some other players yeah. um, to, yeah. to help them. And so, it is about that. So look, I'm I'm with that. Like that's yeah. that's big on Brian Gain to kind of have it because there shouldn't be panic in the draft room. Yeah, well, it shouldn't, it, yeah. Look, it shouldn't like, be like the Chiefs in '94 deciding whether they were going to take Greg Hill or Mario Bates. No. Um, so no. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other story. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go a little faster there. But I just I, I wanted to make that clear because I thought it was really neat, and I'm, I'm glad the Texans uh, shared that on social media too. Okay, uh, I'm excited about your favorite second round pick here. Yeah, round two, Dallas Cowboys, Tristan Hill, defensive tackle from Central Florida. Um, I love this pick uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, Rod Marinelli had struck up a relationship with Tristan Hill, struck a relationship to the point that he had Tristan Hill sign a work ethic contract <laughs> before the draft, saying that if he comes to the Dallas Cowboys, that he's going to meet the standards of performance that is expected of a Dallas Cowboy, the effort, the energy, the toughness, all of those things. And so to me, I was like, man, that is terrific. But then when you go back and you look at the tape and you watch Tristan Hill, you talk about a guy who was arguably the most talented player on the team, but they didn't start him. Right. He was a backup player. For whatever reason, he and the coaching staff didn't job. But Rod Marinelli, who has a long track record of maximizing the performance of guys that he coaches, gets an effort guy, loves effort guy, demands effort and injury from his guys. I think this is the perfect fit, and Tristan Hill could be a star for Dallas Cowboys. I'm with you on that uh, for sure. And uh, I'll go to the Broncos pick, uh, their first pick of the second round, mm. Dalton Reisner, uh, offensive lineman, because I, he might play everywhere on their offensive line. Uh, it's got a little tackle in him, might start out at guard, has played center. They lost Matt Paradis. Uh, but we're talking about a guy who – could very well be a Pro Bowl offensive lineman for the Broncos, an area where they have been in dire need the last, I don't know, five years. But it is definitely going to be an all-pro in their community. And you've seen the feature on Path to the Draft and on our draft coverage. In fact, it resonated so much with people that it crashed his foundation's website, risingerup.com, during our pre-draft show on night one. Like, that's, that's how much this guy resonates with people. And I guarantee you that community is going to wrap their arms around him and uh, that's going to be a really nice match there, I feel like, for Reisner, who grew up in Wiggins, Colorado, about 60 miles outside of Denver. I mean, it's great that you get a chance to play in front of your, right? your home folks, that's in neat. front of everything. And look, the, the efforts that he has done away from the field are to be commended. Uh, it would be great to have a Broncos community kind of yeah. uh, elevate what he's been able to do off the field. And I think he's going to be a pretty good player on the field. Yeah. Round, round three what you got? for me is interesting because the Chicago Bears landed David Mc, Montgomery from Iowa State. And I absolutely love this pick. It may be maybe my favorite pick of the draft. It's and it's because, it's because it's the fit. It is the match between a hybrid running back, a guy who is 
a terrific running back, being able to run inside and outside. He can catch the ball out the backfield. He's tough as nails and shows it in pass protection. In an offense that Matt Nagy has built that really can make running back star players. Yeah. We saw what the offense did in Kansas City when Kareem Hunt was playing in it. And you think about a guy like David Montgomery having the same opportunities. I mean, I think this guy can be a fantastic player. And that doesn't take anything away from Tariq Cohen, who I think would be a supplemental or a complimentary please. But I believe this guy, David Montgomery, could be kind of like a David Johns type player for him. David Johnson from the I Cardinals, love that. meaning the way that he's able to kind of get down and do things as a run and receiver. I think that's going to be an awesome tandem back there. And I, to be honest with you, the Bears didn't have a first-round pick. Um, I don't, they didn't have a second-round pick. David Montgomery was their first pick, and it came in round three. And, Unbelievable that he's there for them. And they were in under-the-radar, honorable mention, if you will, best offensive draft for me, which we're going to get to here shortly uh, with their pick of David Montgomery and then Riley Ridley in the first How about round. that? I mean, those are two really good offensive players that you get in the middle rounds there. Uh, my favorite third-round pick, though, I mean, it's it's the most Patriot pick ever. For sure. Chase Winovich from Michigan, the edge rusher, going to the Patriots. By the way, do you know he's he's related to Dave Damashek? Is it really? His mom and Damashek's mom are cousins. Check showed us a picture yesterday at his bar mitzvah. Winovich's mom was at, <laughs> at Check's bar mitzvah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Does Winovich know that? I think he said he reached out to him, but he hasn't heard back yet. So okay. it's been mentioned to him, but I don't know if he quite knows the whole story okay. yet. Does, does Chase Winovich know who Dave Damashek is? You'd have to ask Chase Winovich. Mm, I'm not sure. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll find out. That we'll find out. But I mean, look, he is a more athletic Rob Ninkovich, um, and we saw how productive Rob Ninkovich was for the Patriots. I mean, they're going to be able to do whatever they want with him, and he's going to be totally okay with it. In fact, I think the very first his very first action as a Patriot was to say, "I got to check with Coach to see if I can." answered yes. the question. Oh, right? fall, I mean, falls, he's, falls he's right all in, in already, right? Falls, so right falls right in line with I love the that way pick. that you have to kind of operate with the Patriots. Yeah. But great pick, great yeah. fit. Kind of reminds me of Ninkovich, so yeah. I, I believe it absolutely works. Okay. What you got in round four? Round four, Arizona Cardinals taking Hakeem Butler, wide receiver like from one. Iowa State. Uh, we talked about it on PATH the other day. I believe that the Cardinals have really kind of created a basketball team around Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. uh, a mix of some guys that can fly down the wings, some big guys that can post up. And Hakeem Butler is the guy that is a post-up player that should be a dominant player down in the red zone. His size, his length, his leaping ability, uh, the fact that he also has enough speed to take the top off, averaged 22 yards per catch his final season at Iowa State. I just think this is a nice fit for them. And for him to have an opportunity to learn behind Larry Fitzgerald how to be a pro, how to run routes, this should benefit him where I think he has an opportunity to end up being a really, really good player. Um I like this pick more than I like the Danny Isabella pick mm. in the second round for the Cardinals at, at wideout. I, you know, knowing they've already got Christian Kirk there, I, I like that. Now you've got a guy on the outside here in uh, Hakeem Butler uh, that kind of gives you another one of those roles. So I uh, definitely like that pick of the Cardinals. I mean, you know where I was going with my favorite pick. Right? Oh, my Fourth gosh. round pick. My that's, man, that's Wes Martin, offensive lineman, Indiana now. Going to go protect Dwayne Haskins for the next 10 years, huh? I mean, come on. Like, does it get any better than that? Man, Talking about a guy with almost 40 bench reps. He will not get overpowered on the interior. I just hope, I just hope like one day that I, I show up at work and there's a package for you waiting outside. <laughs> and I, I just could only wish that it's the candy. Oh, the, the candy, strike. I the don't have stripe. a pair of candy stripers. The, the candy stripe. Just a full Indiana warm-up that you can just walk around like – 
pretending to be oh. Bobby Knight and yeah. all the grace that have played there because you, you are IU Thank to you. the heart. You better believe it, man. You better believe it. Uh, you know what? But in all honesty, I mean, when we're talking about matchups, rookie and rookie. I mean, Wes Martin and Dexter Lawrence going head to head here twice a year for the Redskins and the Giants. No, I'm excited. I'm excited for Wes. He's a good guy. He's a good player. Um, kind of like uh, Dan Feeney was. Uh, definitely can get it done in the interior for the Redskins. So, uh, moving on to round five. This this was a bit of a shocker. A bit, bit of a shocker. Bit big surprise. Cleveland Browns grabbing Mac Wilson linebacker from Alabama in the fifth round. Fifth round. Fifth round. Mac Wilson is a guy that we had, had mocked initially being a first round pick. And a lot of <laughs> yeah. times we kind of settled day two. He'd be a second or third round pick. The fact that he goes in the fifth round um, is surprising. Based on the way that he played at Alabama, we thought he could be a guy that would be a, a really, really solid player in pass coverage. Thought he had some intriguing skills in terms of being able to run and chase. There, there was some scuttlebutt and some conversation about his fit and maybe the maturity and those things, but he was too good of a player, in my estimation, to to, to make it to the fifth round. Cleveland scoops him up. Cleveland, uh, John Dorsey and Alonzo Highsmith and Elliot Wolf, those guys value productive players. I think the value that Mac Wilson brings as a productive player that also has some versatility and some leadership skills and some uh, awareness and instincts, he's going to have a chance to, I believe, by the end of the year, maybe kind of crack and sneak into that starting lineup. I, look, I, again, I, I was absolutely stunned that he lasted until the fifth round. Unbelievable. But how about 18 picks later, final pick of the fifth round, my man Cole Holcomb, a Tar Heel from UNC. Come on, going to the Redskins. I, you know, I, I know. So I tried not to be a homer because the Redskins <laughs> had two of my guys. They took Bryce Love in the fourth. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They took yeah, Cole right. Holcomb in the fifth. And so what I decided that I was going to excuse myself, I was going to back up out of the Redskins um, yeah, fan club. Yeah, okay. And I was going to let right. them go. And so that's All why right. I didn't. But Cole Holcomb going from Carolina in the fifth round. Uh, Give you a bonus on that one. I there mean, you go. His agent had, yeah. She had kind of texted me and told me, like, hey, there's a lot of buzz around it. And we saw him at the East West Shrine game. He played really well. Then he tested uh, I didn't realize he at a high West. level. Okay. And so look, that's cool. He's coming. That's cool. Um, and you know what? Uh, I believe uh, Rich Eisen signed off our draft coverage by asking, uh, raise your hand if your alma mater had a uh, player picked in the draft. Um, DJ, if you're listening at home, Bucky and I are raising our hands. Oh, yeah. Our hands are up uh, high. Your, yours are not. Your, your hands are not raised. I know. I'm surprised. That's right. Jalen Moore was right? better luck, drafted. Better wow. luck next year. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe they can find a way to get <laughs> next year. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, let's move into round six. Who you got, Buck? Tennessee Titans. Oh, wait. I didn't get my round five. Oh, I didn't get did? my round That's five. Right. Yeah, Amani. I like this pick here. Amani Oruwarie from uh, Penn State, who uh, kind of got the lowdown from, uh, from his head coach, James Franklin, when he was down at the Senior Bowl. And yeah, he gave him a, a ringing endorsement, as you would expect uh, from his head coach. But this is a uh, an interesting player for the Lions. I feel like this is a long, big corner, six one, almost six two, or actually just over six one and a half, two hundred five pounds. Uh, ran four four seven at the combine. Oh, nice! Can move um, and show some ball skills. Uh, and, yeah, and, wa- and watching him. I thought he was pretty solid. I thought he, he he reminded me a lot of Richard Sherman yeah. in terms of his ability to to, to kind of side shuffle and play some zone coverage, being able to play man. He had that game-clinching interception against DJ's alma mater yep. early in the year. And so good player, productive, productive player. player and you get him in, a lot. You get him in round five, and especially in Detroit where they're trying to make over their mentality when it comes to the toughness. Uh, I think that's a good fit for him. So maybe, you know, if you go back to Patriots lore, because we're talking about Patriots in the Midwest here, Matt Patricia, like Talibish 
in some qualities yeah. with, some, with some physicality and some size there. Corner, we put him out opposite Darius Slay. That'll be an interesting pick there for the Lions. I also like them getting Austin Bryant, by the way, in the round before that. The Austin uh, Bryant, good, good player. Underrated yeah. on that Clemson D-line. Uh, really solid player. Move us into round six. Ooh, David Long. Yes. Tennessee Titans, David Long, big 12 defensive player of the year, linebacker from West Virginia. Uh, another great pick because what Mike Vrabel is trying to do, he's trying to get enough players that can play on the edge. He can give them some pass rush ability, give them some blitz ability. David Long can do those things. I like his athleticism, his versatility. Kind of surprised that he made it all the way down here to the sixth round. But for the Titans, great pick, great fit. Yeah, I love that uh, as well. I thought the Titans made some uh, some really good picks, starting with Jeffrey Simmons, uh, number one uh, overall for them. And then uh, I, I also like the Monty Hooker in the fourth round, which got Kent. What does it say about the Big 12, though, that their Big 12 defensive player of the year <laughs> was a sixth-round round pick? Well, I mean, you That's know, not a good thing. No, I, it's, it's a good it, call. It, it's, it's, yeah. it's not a good thing when they, they have balls flying all over the yard, but at some point they stop somebody and maybe it just – Wait, they, you, you know what I didn't look at? Uh, let me go back and look at the Raiders picks here. Um, do you remember in the booth of the Senior Bowl two years ago, Mayock's up there, and they bring Mason Rudolph in? And Mayock is just crushing Mason Rudolph because of the Big 12 defenses that he played against. Like he had any control. Yeah, it's not his fault. Right? And I'm like, Mike, take it easy. Did Mike pick any Big 12 defensive players? That's what I, that's what oh, I want to no. know. Here we go. I got, uh, his, I got his picks. Here we go. Max Crosby. Uh, um, Isaiah Johnson. I, Quinn Bell. Quinn Bell, no. Right? Um, nope. No, no Big 12. So they didn't expand any. Yeah. Any, okay. Any so that makes sense, right? That makes sense. Um, my favorite sixth round pick, uh, I got to meet him down at the Manning Passing Academy. Um, Trace McSorley out of Penn State to the Ravens. Their last pick of the draft. They didn't have a seventh rounder. Oh, this was phenomenal. I don't, I don't know where he's going to play or how he's going to play, but they're going to figure it out. I, and, I think and, so. I, you know, for me, I, I love the pick. I love what he does. I, I think it just adds to this full commitment that they have to the, the read option game that they're going to with Lamar Jackson. Now in the quarterback room, you have three quarterbacks three that are capable of yeah. running that system. Uh, Trace McSorley was a guy that was recruited as a safety as well as a cornerback, as a quarterback coming out of high school. And so that versatility, that athleticism, that toughness that he's been able to display, uh, it's a really, really good fit in Baltimore. No, no question. And I think uh, – John Harbaugh was like, I don't know, we might play him everywhere. We, you know, so that's, um, I think that's a really cool weapon and a cool tool for you to have there down at the bottom end of the draft. Uh, moving into round seven, you're going back to the Panthers. What you got here? I'm going back to the Panthers. I'm going with uh, Terry Godwin from Georgia. This is a five-star recruit. A good year for Georgia receivers. Five-star recruit coming out of high school. A guy that also played baseball, so it speaks to his ball skills. But for what he could potentially do for the Carolina Panthers as a returner, as another speed demon on the outside, as they're beginning to kind of remake this wide receiver core and put more speed on the field around Cam Newton, he's going to have an opportunity to compete and get a little spot where he can earn some playing time getting the rotation. Do scouts, by the way, look at that stuff when you said that Godwin was a five-star recruit? Byron Coward, of course, went to the fifth round with the Patriots. He was a number one overall recruit. Does that factor in where scouts kind of look at that at least a little bit? So it's funny because I had this conversation uh, I had it with John Snyder of the Seattle Seahawks and I you know we were going back and forth and I was telling my experiences at at the opening and I was like man if I was back in the business I would encourage everybody to dig up those old recruiting lists and just try and figure out where did all the five stars go 
just to see because at some point, the way the recruiting rankings are now, guys don't typically miss. I would just like to track them down and just kind of see where those guys are because I think it's at least taking a flyer on guys as a free agent to kind of see if they had – because if they had enough talent at one point to be considered one of the top guys in the country, there may be something there that you can uncover. Huh. Um, that's interesting. And look, so Georgia, Ohio State, really good wide receiver classes this year. Um, and I'm going to go to Ohio State for my favorite seventh round pick, Mike Weber, mm. the Cowboys. Right? You know, Weber was a guy who was eventually kind of replaced in the feature role by J.K. Dobbins uh, once once he got onto campus. But Weber was a productive player at Ohio State. And now he's going in where there's another productive Ohio State running back in Ezekiel Elliott there with Dallas and just kind of bolstering that backfield a little bit. I think he could he could provide some nice depth there for him. Yeah, he absolutely can provide some depth. And with Ezekiel Elliott um, kind of nearing the end of his rookie contract, and there may be some yeah. conversation about wh- how much they pay them, do they pay them, uh, bringing on Mike Weber and also Tony Pollard, two guys that can maybe crack and fight and compete for that number two spot behind him. Uh, there's a future for those guys. We'll see how much of uh, how much potential and production Mike Wells is able to display in training camp and in the preseason. Yeah, but he's gonna get every opportunity to be in the mix. Yeah, no question. Um, okay, so that uh, well, you know what? Let's give uh, while I was on the Ohio State kick. Let me give one little bonus. Uh, favorite priority free agent. Johnny Dixon. Johnny Dixon. You know, I know he had the some medical issues, maybe what kept him out, but I was surprised somebody didn't take a seventh round flyer on him, especially after how uh, how well he he did in the pro day. Uh, um, running routes. I mean, he's a good special teams yeah, player. Yeah, good as special well. teams player, good player. Unfortunately, he'd been banged up a little bit yeah. during his time. Uh, but man, he's a good player. He came on like game busters. And we're seeing now in the league, twenty percent of the league is comprised of undrafted, undrafted. free agents. Yeah. Look, man, you so. just need a chance. So we'll see if he gets his chance to make it. Uh, okay, let's move on and finish up this episode by doing our best offensive and defensive drafts. So taking a look at the draft class as a whole and separating it out, offense and defense, finding out who had the best offensive draft class uh, this year. Bucky, who gets the nod for you? The nod for me goes to the San Francisco 49ers and the aforementioned mm-hmm. Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd, Caden Smith, uh, those guys, to me, I think have a chance to be contributors for the 49ers. That's a great one. Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd, versatile playmakers, guys that can uh, give you all kinds of production on the perimeter in the passing game. Caden Smith is another from Stanford. I felt like was a little underrated, but I think he's going to have an opportunity. We have seen Stanford has produced tight end after tight end. Uh, when it comes to the league, they've recently been surpassed by Iowa <laughs> because Iowa had two yeah. first-round yeah. tight ends. But Caden Smith is another in a long line of Stanford tight ends that find their way to the league. We'll see if he's able to stick because if he sticks, this is a very, very productive class for the 49ers. That's a good one. Um, and you get the punter, Mitch uh, Wisnowski, which I think technically falls on the defensive side of things, but could bail out the offense a little bit. So there you go. We'll give him some credit too, okay? Yeah, we'll give him some credit. Um, all right. I'm going to say – this is kind of an interesting one for me. The Eagles – uh, were my favorite offensive draft here. Number one, they trade up and get Andre Dillard, arguably the best tackle. They get him at number 22. That is a good class. Yeah. Uh, they come back and get Miles Sanders, who's definitely a top five running back this year. Say what you want about the strength of this class as a whole, but um, a guy with really only one year tread on the tires, and it was a productive year after he got out of Saquon Barkley's shadow. And Philly needs some backs. Yeah, they got Jordan Howard, but you know, they, they run a stable of backs through there, and he could be another piece to that puzzle for him. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, I mean, you want to talk about red zone threats? Big time we, red zone yeah. threat. 14 touchdowns last year. Asked and answered. We know he can get it done and put the ball in the paint there. I also like Clayton Thorson, 
Um, you know, you know, I'm a big Nate Sudfeld fan, so he's obviously <laughs> our backup quarterback there in Philly. But Clayton uh, really impressed me when he joined us on Path to the Draft. I think he is uh, he's going to be a really good guy for that room and kind of help them fill out. That's going to be a really nice quarterback room there with Wentz, Sudfeld, and Thorson. Uh, and so that that really kind of caught my eye. Yeah, four four out of five picks, offensive Defense, players, yeah. and uh, I want to say as Curtis said, they're next next man up, meaning they're in position to take over for people at previous spots. Right. Andre Diller for Jason Peters, Miles Sanders for Jordan Howard, and then right. JJ Arcega Whiteside potentially for, for Aguilar Nelson Aguilar or so, Alshon, depending yeah. on how long that lasts as well. Right. So so nice picks yeah. because it gives them a year to kind of redshirt and put themselves in a position to uh, carve out bigger roles. Okay, let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. What you got there, Buck? So defense, I went with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And some of this is due to the, the, the quality of players they got, but also the depth and the number of defensive players that they took. You talk about a team that took, let me count them, one, two, three, four, five. We've counted kicker. Yeah. Six, seven. Seven out of the eight picks were defensive guys. Uh, Devin White is the headliner. Gives him automatic leader. Uh in the middle of the defense. Then you get two cornerbacks and Sean Bunning, Jamil Dean, uh, fast, explosive. We'll have opportunities to kind of jump in the mix and tie Bowles defense. Anthony Nelson kind of comes into the mix. And then Terry Beckner at the very mm. end of the draft. So you talk about really committing all of the resources to try and improve that defense. That's what Tempe Buccaneers were able to do. Uh, so the, they went two corners in the second round, right? Double dip. Double um, up. They went two corners in the second round last year. Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart. MJ Stewart, a Tar Heel. Yeah. Yeah, but. So they, and then you go back to Vernon Hargraves, who they took three years ago. They've taken five corners in the first two rounds in the obviously, last four Obviously, years. They, they don't feel good about the position. They're trying to upgrade <laughs> That is the only way that you can come back and take those two. Uh, and, and, you know, I think you can make an argument that, you know, Todd Bowles may want something a little bit different out of that position. So they, they want go something back different. They well may want to build yeah. up the depth. Yeah. Or you may want to make it a very, very competitive situation and see. Uh, what transpires. However, I can tell you, when you commit two second-round picks, <laughs> those guys are going to be there. They're going to be there. Uh, and so uh, my favorite defensive draft, this might come as a bit of a surprise, was the Giants. And, you know, look, yeah, maybe, I, you know, look, you honestly, know I, honestly, you, I f- go ahead, go ahead. What you're saying and yeah. in, 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 in looking at that, because so much conversation um, has centered around Daniel Jones, yeah. Dexter Lawrence. I don't know if people look beyond that at the rest of their class. Right. And, and look, yeah, you can make an argument that, you know, Dexter Lawrence might have been a little bit of a reach at 17. Two down player. Maybe they get a little more pass rush out of him um, and, and can keep him on the field. But, you know, you, you get you, you trade away Damon uh, Harrison last year, Snacks Harrison. Um, but I think you've got a nice an, another nice piece to that rotation there in Lawrence. And then you come back and get DeAndre Baker, who might be the best corner in the class. He might be. He might end up right. being, you know, a, a, a really good starting cornerback for the Giants. And then you come back, you don't have your second round, and you come back and you get O'Shane Zimenez uh, as your edge rusher. Because we know they need 33 an edge sacks. Yeah. 33 sacks. In his Maybe career. he's like a Yanni Kingakwe who kind of fell into that second, third round yep. pass rusher mold. So, um, you know, I think that's got potential to be a really good defensive draft. So it does have potential. So let's do this because we kind of did this on the show. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times when we do it in clusters, who would you rather have? And so you could have Daniel Jones and O'Shane Zeminis, yeah. or you could have Josh Allen and Will Greer. Who would you mm. rather have? Because if you're in the third round looking at quarterbacks. Right. It was Greer. What, it was only we're, Greer. We're looking at Will Greer, or if we went to fourth round, yeah. Ryan Finley. Yeah. So 
who are you more comfortable with when it comes down to it? And I think you would like to say, hey, I got the quarterback that I want, and I got a pass rusher who has a proven track record in the 3-4 defense of being able to get to the quarterback. Maybe we came out on the top side of it. Well, I think you would, you know, if you follow DJ's logic, you would have to say <laughs> it's Daniel Jones and Zimenez rather than, because you'd rather take the quarterback that you feel the best, best about. about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I'm not saying pass rushers grow on trees like DJ was saying with the running backs the other day, but uh, that's, <laughs> but that's but, an interesting But argument. we have seen a number of pass rushers come outside of the first round and have success, and so the odds would tell you that you're more likely to find a pass rusher than a quarterback outside of the first round. Um, and uh, that's uh, pretty much going to do it for us, but uh, sorry, I got slightly distracted when we were going through seventh-round picks because of my tweet deck here. It popped up that... Uh, and you, you can appreciate this, Coach Brooks. Malibu High School dropping football. Yeah, they dropped from a... a they dropped from 11-man football. I don't know if that man. means they're doing 8-man. Does anyone play... Eight, people play 8-man football out here? Yeah, at my son's school, they play 8-man Really? Football. It's a weird thing to look at. I thought that happened in, like, rural Minnesota. Scott Frost. Scott Frost was <laughs> right. an 8-man player who That's found right. a way to do it. Leighton Van Vanderesh. LVE, yes. The Wolf was able to do it. Uh, <laughs> the Wolf, I love it. it. It's, it's, That's it's, a shame. It's a different... It's a different kind of ball uh in some areas the participation is down yeah so you try and give yourself a, a fighting chance and eight man ball i mean you can get it done with 20 25 dudes yeah as opposed to trying to feel like, i hear you i look it's an if it's an it's a different game, game though it's a, they like it's, to surf out there mal yeah, big a, surfers i get it's that. a it's, it's it's arena ball um so I guess this is this is our final week of path of the draft. You're going to be here on the podcast, obviously, yeah, but you're going to start transferring into into full on Coach Brooks mode here pretty full, soon. Full on Coach Brooks <laughs> mode uh, starting starting Monday. Really? Starting, starting Monday, what, we start some spring practice. Phase two, phase two of the program. Phase, phase two of the program. So we've been in phase one. We've been working out at six a.m. The guys have been getting up and working out and doing some stuff Good. on the field and in the weight room. But uh, we'll finally have some little mini practices. Uh, for the next 10 days, like when we start on Monday, we'll go Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday. Uh, get those guys out. They'll run around and do some fun stuff, and we kind of see what we have. Uh, and then we are back for our final Path of the Draft episode on Friday. Make sure to tune in then. A lot of fun and games oh, man. Uh, to send Path by the time, off. By the time we get style. to Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Friday F-Block. Do we even have a production meeting? Join. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But we're going we're gonna to finish it out for you. And uh, remember, all your MTS content, NFL.com, MTS video, YouTube, uh, com slash NFL, Apple Podcasts. Thanks for hanging out with us here today. We're back next week. Move the Six Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. 
Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's PACASO.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.